Welcome everybody. Amy, are you excited? I'm so excited. That was not near as exciting as it should be. I am so excited. I mean, we're doing a podcast, girl, about the gut. You love the gut. What's your nickname? Um, uh, I, with the Z. Uh, oh, oh, Zany. That doesn't mean it's real. That's not related to the gut at all. But I do have one of my Facebook pictures is the picture of like the guy who's all sad at the party. And he's like that face when you're at a party and no one wants to talk about gut health. <laughs> I'm like, no, that's me. I need to stop. When I found out about like the microbiome gut brain connection, I was, t- it was my conversation started with everyone. So I kind of had to learn how to like cool it until you found people who were like at that level and wanted to talk about it. But yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. We brought this topic up just because so many people are doing biofeedback these days. And so many people are getting allergy tests conducted and they come back with all these food allergies and all these sensitivities to things. And they're like, I'm never going to be able to eat eggs again, or I can never have wheat again, or I'm, I'm allergic to almonds. And they look at these food tests or these biofeedback scans, like that's going to be their life forever. And uh, I think this topic is so relevant because in today's era, where it's so easy for that gut lining to break down and for conditions like leaky gut to develop or candida um, or SIBO or HIMO in in today's world where those things develop so rapidly a lot of people do deal with food allergies and histamine reactions and intolerances and sensitivities but those things can be reversed in fact we've seen it in our family we see it in so many of our clients I've definitely seen it in my life and so that's why we want to talk about today is how do you repair the gut so that people can reverse food allergies and food sensitivities and how do we teach our clients about that so they feel empowered after they learn about their food sensitivities instead of feeling like, oh my gosh, what am I even supposed to eat anymore? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I taught a class for many years called the ultimate class. And it was an in the ultimate class. We talked about many of the common diseases of the cell and of the body, but I ended it with allergy and hundred percent success rates at how to eliminate allergies because people don't realize we weren't born to have allergies. You know, something has gone awry in our, you know, in our lifestyle and in what we're eating, breathing and putting on our skin that has caused these allergic responses. And so we, we've seen people literally aiming to back you up. We've seen people with severe gluten intolerances, completely reverse it within months, you know, and people People who've had peanut allergies that are going to die from, you know, be able to reverse it. And so we, we hear during this next 30 minutes on our podcast, we want to share with you just ideas and thoughts and maybe some of the vernacular behind all of the internal, you know, uh, debris going on. So, yes. And that's not to say that someone who has like a severe peanut allergy should start eating peanuts after this presentation. Exactly. That's not what we're saying at all. But for people who develop food sensitivities and intolerances, there's a lot we can do to heal the gut lining. And that will ultimately lead to better absorption and better health and decreased sensitivities overall. So Karen, do you want to start with your portion about um, some of the confusion around histamine and allergies or should yeah. I start about leaky gut? For those, who, those, for those people who are on live right now, I'm going to go ahead and share my screen because I can. Uh, those of you who are listening on the podcast, don't worry. You can download this little handout. I have a handout from my ultimate class that I put together just with a few, a few slides from the ultimate class on allergies. And so we'll go ahead and upload that by the area. Okay, everybody. So this particular area, just 
again, you can screenshot this if you want, it'll be uploaded, but I wanted people to realize that there's a lot of people dealing with allergies and, and asthma, which is often triggered because of the allergies. So we're looking at like 25 billion is spent just in reactive food allergy care each year, right? 90,000 emergency room visits every single year. So you know, you all know people with allergies. None of you are amidst to this, right? Well, it's important to understand some of the major triggers of allergies. And then I'm going to talk about some of the words. So, you know, some of the vernacular, what is an antibody? What is an allergen, right? Um, and so any substance that triggers an allergic reaction is called an allergen. So your, you know, cow's milk and soy and wheat and peanuts and tree nuts and selfish and fish and eggs. You've probably heard these things before. When you go on to an elimination diet, you're eliminating all of these foods out of the body because on an elimination diet, you eliminate everything that could be causing an allergy. And then you enjoy some allergy free living for a while. And then you reintroduce one of these at a time to figure out which is it that's causing the allergy. Of course, muscle testing is a lot faster, but anyhow. Um, so again, different things, dust mites, pollen, mold, pet dander, latex. Um, food allergies can then trigger the asthma and asthma can trigger migraines, right? There are two different things. There's a food allergy and there's a food intolerance. And so before we get into histamine, let's just cover that real quick. A food allergy involves an immune response, right? So we get a runny nose, our immune system's like, ah, right? And when the immune system opens up all those blood vessels and white blood cells are rushing to the area, we have inflammation. So we have inflammation, a runny nose, we, we get all congested, right? Oh my gosh, a gentleman who came in the other day with, one of, with, with his mother for a, a scan, his eyes were just like beating red. I'm like, honey, we got to get you in here. We got to heal your gut. He goes, no, I got allergies. I'm like, yeah, but you need to heal the gut. He goes, no, no, I got allergies. I'm like, yeah, you don't understand. You know, your, your immune response is so intense where a food intolerance produces symptoms without involving the immune system. And, but it's really important to make sure you understand some of those food intolerances so they don't turn into an allergy, right? We want to help heal the gut from that. Anyhow, so again, some research has found junk food and snacks increase the risk of asthma and allergies because of the sodium bisulfate and the sodium bisulfate, sodium, you know, all the words that are too long and you can't pronounce them anyways, any kind of you know, sodium sulfite. So we clean the diet and the colon, right? Super important. Here's the information I wanted to make sure we understood some of these words. An antibody is produced by B cells, either randomly or in response to a specific foreign protein or substance in the body. This is key. An antibody will only bind with one specific antigen and nothing else. So when the antibody binds, it sticks to the foreign and dangerous molecule and it acts like a red flag identifying the molecule as something potentially damaging. So when you eat an, an almond and you have an almond allergy, the minute you're chewing that almond, whoa, white blood cells are rushing to the, the gut because as soon as it gets in the gut, it's got to tag that baby and go, this is a problem. And by now you've had your compute, your, your, you know, all of your allergy symptoms. So very important to know that that antibody is going to trigger an antigen to attack it. So an autoantibody, that's just a self-antibiotic, that can create an immune system that often gets directed against one or more of the individual's own proteins, right? So that's very important. Again, screen check this. You can download this easy information to share. Autoimmune diseases when the body system was meant to attack a foreign invader, but instead it turns on itself, right? There are many examples of this, um, the thyroid, thyroid peroxidase, right? There's so many multiple sclerosis and pancreatic issues. The, the, the autoantibody is just misidentified the target, and then we end up with an, with an autoimmune disease. And there's much more on that we're not going to cover in this handout, but I wanted you to at least be familiar with some of these, these words, right? 
So um, again, you can go ahead and I'm not going to go through this entire thing, but just some words you need to be familiar with inflammation, eating the autoimmune diet, LDN, um, using ALA and LDN. Um, so histamine and Amy, we can jump into this or you can jump in for a little while. You want to jump in for a minute? Um, yeah, let me just uh, share something really quick on my end about leaky gut because uh, that will help clarify exactly where um, these uh, immune responses originate from. So I'm just going to share this screen real quick here. So a lot of us have heard of leaky gut. Um, and so this is a huge precursor to developing allergies and um, heightened um, food sensitivities. So Along your small intestine, a lot of us have heard of the, the villi in the small intestine. In fact, I really like this depiction here. Um, this is what this is showing what's happened with celiac disease. But if you look at that small intestine and you look at that lining, there's this villi that it's, it has all these little like suction cup things on the side. And there is so much blood that runs through your villi that is collecting that material and taking it up to the liver to get further broken apart and coated and sent out to your bloodstream, to your cells as fuel and as nutrients. And so there's all these villi that are constantly soaking things up um, to, to, like I said, send it over to the liver and get it distributed throughout the body. So what happens is those uh, sections of villi are held together by tight junctions. And what happens is like glyphosate, that is a very common um, pest. Is it a pesticide or an herbicide? I want to say it's an herbicide. Yeah, glyphosate is, it's a natural, it's a, it's a toxic herbicide, insecticide, pesticide. And so um, there's like a lot of glyphosates and it, I, a lot of toxins and chemicals that are just sprayed around our house or used in today's society. Um, along with, we're going to get into antibiotic resistance in a minute, but a lot going on with the microbiome, not being able to hold together these tight junctions because we're constantly like spraying Lysol on stuff and breathing in antibiotics and taking antibiotics and put and putting hand sanitizer on our hands. That's going right into our bodies. And the microbiome plays a huge role in keeping these tunctions tight. And so what happens happens is there starts to be these holes in those tight junctions and things start entering the bloodstream without being properly processed by the villi and by the liver. So all of a sudden, boom, it enters the bloodstream without having been properly coated and broken down. And so now it looks like a foreign invader in your bloodstream instead of it going through like the, pro the proper like coating um, mechanisms. And so now you have like this little piece of almond or this piece of gluten or this chunk of food in your bloodstream that wasn't properly broken down. And this can cause a number of issues. One is it gets flagged by your immune system. But secondly, it doesn't get identified by your body at all. And it ferments into an alcohol. And then you have brain fog and you have, you have clarity issues and you can't focus throughout the day. A lot of people experience that, just that constant brain fog, because if this food isn't getting properly broken down and it, and it turns into alcohol in their bloodstream, they're going to have impaired cognitive function. And so I just wanted to uh, just draw this out for people so you get this visual in your head about why we talk so much about healing the gut lining is we want those tight junctions to be tight and held together. And there's ways to heal that um, both through dietary protocols and supplements. Um, I'm going to throw one out right away. Ion, Ion Biome by Dr. Zach Bush. Um, it contains, what's it called? Tetra high. I forget exactly what it's called. Um, Terra high something. I need to exit out of this. Sorry. Um, it contains like, uh, this carbon, um, uh, 
I'll find it. I'll find it. But the point is like, there's products that help heal the gut. And that's yeah. where we want to, that's where we want to go with our clients is taking like the, the amino acids that help heal the gut, like L-glutamine, um, fixing those dietary triggers that tend to throw off those tight junctions to begin with. And that potentially other supplements for, um, leaky gut. Like we always recommend slippery elm and marshmallow root and licorice powder, because those things are very medicinal, um, for the leaky gut. So those are just a couple of visuals to back up what's Karen is talking about, about why we're living in such an allergy prone era. Yeah. Because how many of you are eating glyphosate? We go to a, even if you go out to a restaurant, you're like, Oh, I'm going to get a beautiful salad. Yep. You're eating a pesticide filled salad. Like, you know, I mean the lettuces and all the, and then you have some cheese on there and cheese has more pesticides, right. than like an entire acre of vegetables that have been sprayed. Like cheese is such a horrid product for the body. Not only does it cause mucus, but because it's full of pesticides. So now we've just introduced so much anxiety, so many toxins to our gut that we have to actually repair that. Okay. Make sure you're, uh, make sure you go ahead and turn off your, I muted it. Okay. I'm going to, should I screen scare? I'm going to screen share again, everybody. We're going to move on to histamines just so you have an idea of what histamines are. So histamine is a chemical. Uh, it's actually a neurotransmitter. It's made in the stomach, right? A lot of it is made in the stomach and it is a chemical involved in the immune system used for digestion, right? And so histamine's main role is to cause an immediate inflammatory response. It's like, okay, something, because as soon as you're chewing food, the salivary glands are breaking it down and we're able to detect just from the food being in your mouth, what digestive enzymes need to come out and play? What are we going to need to do to, to actually break down this food? Do we need to release more bile um, from the gallbladder so we can you know, break down fats? Do we, what do we need to reduce and what do we need to create? Do we need more hydrochloric acid? Because this is really, really <laughs> needing to be broken down in the stomach. So all of a sudden our body is going to know right away, oh my gosh, I need to create histamine immediately. This is an allergen, right? Well, very interesting enough, people actually have a, can have an issue with histamine. They can't break down histamine properly. And then they create this histamine intolerance, right? And so then, and this histamine travels through the entire body. So again, screenshot, download this, it affects the gut, the lungs, the brain, the cardio system. Absolutely amazing how much it can do. So I wanted you to see the common symptoms and I'm gonna read these really quick for all of my audio, our audio um, fans out there. Headaches and migraines, difficulty falling asleep, easily arousal, hypertension, dizziness, uh, you know, accelerated heart rate, difficulty regulating the body temperature, anxiety, depression, nausea, vomiting, abdominal cramping, flushing, nasal congestion. I'm not even done yet. And you're all going, oh my gosh, that's what I have. And I think it's an allergy, right? No, it can literally be a histamine intolerance, nasal congestion, sneezing, difficulty, breathing, abnormal menstrual cycles, hives, itching, fatigue, tissue swelling. These are common symptoms of histamine levels. So where and how do we get high histamine? So now don't be thinking allergies. What's causing my allergy? Let's look at what can cause a high histamine level. Allergies. Okay. So you can think about allergies, but other things. So small intestinal bacteria overgrowth and how small intestinal bacteria overgrowth happens. Um, almost, almost all of the time is the ileocecal valve, which connects the small intestine to the colon. It gets stuck open. And then the bacteria from the colon come wandering into the small intestine. Woo! Whole new food source. This is exciting. And then it overgrows, right? And it grows on fiber and et cetera. SIBO is a whole nother topic, which we can do one time. I know a lot about SIBO, but anyhow, and so SIBO can cause high histamines, leaky gut, bleeding in the intestinal system, fermented alcohol like wine and champagne and beer, 
a DAO deficiency, which you can check on your genetic, uh, you know, do some of your genetic testing. Um, and then histamine rich foods, which I'm not going to list them here, but they are on the handout. And histamine is either stored in the body. This is super key. Histamine is either stored in the body or it's broken down by an enzyme, right? So if you don't have enough HMT, right, that's what breaks down the histamine in the nervous system. And DAO, remember I mentioned a DAO deficiency, takes care of histamine in the digestive system. So oftentimes, if you have many of those symptoms that we just rattled off, it can be because you have a deficiency of DAO. So again, awesome information here. Okay, Amy, we get to play again. Well, I'm just curious, how can you tell the difference between an allergy and a histamine reaction? Very good point. Um, you can actually, I'll just screen share really quick because you can start taking some of these antihistamines, a natural antihistamine, and if it clears up, you can tell that it's working on histamine. You also can you know, learn to test your HCL levels. Do you have enough hydrochloric acid in the stomach to begin with? Um, and so it's just a lot of people, if you've treated allergies with everything on the market and it doesn't go away, you know, so if you're using all of these different products and you still have allergies, well, then you may want to take a look at the actual histamine level of the body and have you created an environment where it's the histamine reaction and where the body has simply become immune to histamines. So here are some natural antihistamines that work very well. Even like salt on the end of the tongue can stop that, anti that histamine reaction. Bromelain, stinging nettle, omega-3s, vitamin C, quercetin is my number one choice. Um, we honestly always have quercetin in our home because if anybody is visiting and they have an allergic reaction, I definitely hello, I'm a holistic healthcare practitioner. I have to have this stuff, you know, so I want to be able to help them. So quercetin is amazing. Probiotics, um, different- help with allergies. Yeah. yeah, with, yep, with allergies. Lemon, green tea, kale, and then again, quercetin. So again, these are some allergy aids as well um, that I just kind of rolled into. More allergy, allergy aids. Turmeric, omega-3s. Um, hot peppers, by the way. Well, hot, hot peppers, like you gotta be careful with that though, because some people with digestive disorders are actually gonna want to avoid like onions, garlic, and peppers um, as they can be like negatively triggering. But yep, absolutely. We can come back to cocoa in a No, that's why I'm happy you're getting to the, the cocoa pulse test because there is, um, people's bodies will vary. Um, there's a lot of different types of food uh, sensitivities out there and different sensitivities, even to things naturally occurring in plants. Um, uh, there are digestive tracts where like during the phases of healing it, you might not want very complex carbohydrates um, while you're in the process of healing the gut. And so some like super high fiber diet is not going to be appropriate for every person um, and every client if they're, if they have some of these like really histamine sensitives, or if anyone's heard of FODMAP, the F-O-D-M-A-P, um, uh, that is a diet regimen highly recommended for people healing gut issues um, because it excludes some of those very complex carbohydrates that can be um, a, a little bit triggering to people's guts and give them like severe bloating and digestive cramping. And so during the process, during this, like however many months or even years it takes to heal the gut, people may modify their diet to give their their gut time to heal those micro, to heal the tight junctions and to renew, um, I was going to say renutrientize. <laughs> we say remineralize. What would be the word for like restoring nutrients or something? Renutrientize. Renutrientization process. Mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, it can take anywhere from like, you know, several months to a couple of years. And so there may be um, diets that just people have to listen to their body and do the research to see, to match the symptoms against what they're experiencing. But um, I'm just throwing that out there because like, I feel great on a raw food diet um, or, or actually just, I don't, I, I would actually just consider myself a plant-based eater. I'm not really a raw food uh, person. And I still eat meat sometimes. I'm just throwing that out there. You can be a plant-based eater who also eats some meat. It doesn't have to be you're either vegan or you're a carnivore that eats 270 pounds of meat a year. Like there's like this happy medium where you just like throw a few ounces in here and there. Um, just saying that's an option. And so, um, uh, that yeah. when you say 270 pounds a year, that almost makes me scared. I mean, I just, my, the whole, I just envisioned this very large, couple animals sitting in front of me going, I would eat that whole thing in a year. And you know, it was kind of funny. Yeah, that was actually, that was actually the average per American. Um, some estimates put it at 222 pounds for between red meat and poultry. And then other estimates have it as high as 270 pounds of, if you include like all of meat and fish. And so that's what I was like a big advocate of like, we, so the, the world eats 9 billion animals a year. And so I'm, and, and by 2050, our meat demands expected to go up by like 73% just because the world is growing right now. And so it's not, it's actually not environmentally sustainable. So like aside from our health, because I, I am an advocate that meat products can be very good for people if it's properly sourced. Um, but environmentally to be like more considerate of that, I just, I'm throwing it out there where I advocate on the whole meat question, which comes up a lot in the health world. I'm just like, make sure you source it well and keep in mind your body only absorbs 25 to 35 grams of protein per meal, which is between four and six ounces of meat. So people sitting down with a 12 ounce steak, their body will take about half of that and, and turn it into, and, and the, the amino acids will oxidize and it'll either come out in their urine or be metabolized by their body. And so people don't need to be eating heaps and pounds of protein every meal, especially not meat. And so I'm just throwing it out there. There's like a happy medium in there um, for people who want to be more plant-based, but still get some of the nutrients from like red meat um, and maybe some of the protein from chicken, etc. What got What got us on that? I don't know, but that's okay. But I do want to cover the cocoa test before our little half an hour is over here. So can okay. I do that? Yes, yes. Okay. So there's just, there's a couple of things I would like to share with you because they work. Um, number one is our leaky gut protocol. I cannot tell you how many people start this protocol and within a week I'm getting love mail. Like I get so much love mail. It's my favorite part of the day. Right. And so I'm just going to share with you what we tell them to do because you can buy all sorts of products that have the same three ingredients in it or the same two ingredients in it. And you don't need to spend the fast amount of money they're charging for these things slippery elm powder marshmallow root powder and licorice root right and so you just get these in a powder form from a health food store or order it online if your health food store doesn't sell a lot of it then don't get it there because you'll get really old stuff that's been sitting there for a year or so so you want to make sure you're at a very active health food store um, and you want to get maybe a couple ounces of slippery elm a couple ounces of marshmallow root now, I personally, you know, I test everybody to see how much of each thing they need. Some people don't need licorice, um, especially if they have any blood issues. And so we do, we do more slippery almond marshmallow, but I just tested someone who needed more licorice than anything, which I found very, 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 very interesting. But usually it's two to one slippery almond and marshmallow. So maybe you start taking a couple teaspoons of slippery elm and a teaspoon of marshmallow root in the morning. And maybe at night you take two teaspoons of slippery elm at night and marshmallow root in the morning, one teaspoon, I'm sorry, at night. So two to one, and you do that morning and night. Some people test for one teaspoon of each. Some people test for a little bit more marshmallow if their stomach's a little bit more tender. But marshmallow and slippery elm have this magnificent quality um, of helping to heal the, the, the tight junctions, kind of pull them back together again and heal the stomach lining and the small intestinal lining. So again, 
We're not medical doctors. We're here to entertain you. Uh, this is for entertainment purposes only. And, and it's always educate. super fun. But I have had a lot of clients do exceptionally well, including family members, by helping to heal their gut with that. And Amy, do you want to throw anything in on that? Yeah. So on top of the, that leaky gut protocol with the slippery elm marshmallow and licorice root powder, um, uh, L-glutamine is an amino acid responsible for the lining of the gut. And so, um, mixing in up to five grams of L-glutamine can be beneficial for people who are looking to repair that. And then on top of that, I would eliminate those big red flags Karen was talking about in the elimination diet, like wheat and soy and dairy on the, um, unless like the soy is fermented, that can be a lot more tolerable for some people, um, but start to eliminate some of those major digestive triggers. And then the third thing would really be to try to decrease the amount of exposure to antibiotics, um, because the more we're killing off the, you don't, the more you're killing off the microbiome, this the more you're fighting against yourself. I cannot believe how many advertisements are out there for like spraying Lysol on your house. Like I, so we don't watch television a lot in our household. Karen like got rid of the TV when I was like, I don't remember how old, 12 or 14. I didn't even notice for nine months. I like had no clue what was going on. I'm like, where's the television? And so I just like, haven't watched a lot of it, but I was I've been at a friend's house visiting a friend lately and they have the TV running. So I was like sitting down and watching and these commercials for Clorox and Lysol are like between in every commercial break. And the worst part, they're spraying it over their whole house. It's not just like, hey, after you've had like a huge party with 50 people and you want to disinfect your door handles, you know, you can spray it on commonly touched surfaces. It's not like that. It's like, oh, your kid has a runny nose. I'm just going to spray the whole couch with Lysol. It's like, oh, your kid just played on the bookshelf let's douse that thing in Clorox. And I'm like, I'm going to follow up every one of these commercials with like, Hey, after um, these chemicals have successfully induced allergies, digestive issues, mental health issues, and a cascading effect of, of health issues in your children and your family from using them. Here is the gut healing protocol by holistic health educators. So you can try to restore some homeostasis in this person's body. Anyway, I'm sorry I get worked up about it, but like, I can't believe how far off it is. Like we're trying to kill, it's like kills 99.9% .9 of bacteria. I'm like, that's, a terrifying statistic to me. Anyway, I get worked up about this topic. So I'm throwing it out there. You can help restore the microbiome without having to take all these probiotics and eat all this fermented food. Some people who have gut issues, it's not going to be the best thing for them if they already have small intestinal bacteria overgrowth to be spoon feeding sauerkraut, drinking kombucha and taking your daily probiotic pill every day. Um, if they're working on balancing that, but you can still balance the gut microbiome by decreasing your exposure to antibiotics. And that can be hand sanitizer, spraying stuff, internal antibiotics, not saying you shouldn't follow your doctors, your physician's advice. I still promote I that. would tell them not to, but that's just me. Yeah. I have, yeah. We have a different opinion on that, so that's okay. Um, but decrease exposure to antibiotics and then um, support the gut with these nutrients that will help create an environment will, where the microbiome will naturally reach homeostasis. And so what I mean by that are the types of fibers that you can eat. Um, you know, slippery elm and licorice, those things have fiber in them. Fiber is the food for the healthy gut bacteria. Unhealthy gut bacteria feed off of sugars. Healthy gut bacteria feed off of 
fibers. And so having whatever kind of fibers you can have in there, supplementing with Ion Biome by Dr. Zach Bush, um, which is like, a it's not a dirt supplement, but it's like stuff that's found in the dirt. And it really does help your gut brain communicate with each other and just it heals your gut. And so you can supplement with some of these great products that help heal your gut lining and can help foster a, a naturally occurring microbiome without having to spoon feed yourself with probiotics. Does that make sense for those of you who are watching? Yeah, I just want to make sure amazing. communicating that. Okay, cool. Those would be like the little step-by-step -step guides I would say to reach um, better gut health on top of what you mentioned. You're, you're amazing. Love your energy. Um, awesome. I'm going to just follow up here with the cocoa test because this is super awesome. The cocoa test is something Dr. Coco created because his wife had an allergic reaction when they were out for dinner. And he noticed while they were waiting for the ambulance that her pulse was so high. And he's like, wait a minute, if that would make sense, the pulse would increase when you're eating something that is causing an allergic reaction. So he brought it down to this very simple formula. Now we do want you to do this. You want to take the cocoa test when you're at resting heart rate. So like first thing in the morning, you wake up and you, you know, pull something that you want to test and you put it on the kitchen table and you sit down and wait until you're at resting heart rate and then take your pulse for one minute and then write the number down. Let's say it's 72. And then you chew something for 30 seconds. So don't swallow it, just keep it in the mouth. And, and so you chew that for 30 seconds and don't swallow. Now, if you keep the item in your mouth, some people spit it up, doesn't really matter. Take the pulse again for another full minute, but wait a couple minutes. So you chew that item, wait a minute or two, don't swallow, and then take your pulse for a full minute. So don't take your, I just put a note on here. Don't like take your pulse for 15 minutes and multiply by four, that doesn't work. So you wanna actually right. take your pulse for a full minute. If your heart rate increased or decreased, if the pulse is higher or lower by three or four beats, then you have a food sensitivity to this item. And this is super fun to do. You will all very much enjoy this. I've done this with countless people at our, at our retreats and at my presentations on allergies. And some people will just, and you can, if you chew a piece of wheat bread, let's say, and you're, you, you might, it might increase 13 beats. We've definitely seen that happen several times. Now you are eating a piece of candy or a wheat bread or a, a, a donut, and that has four or five different items in it or 15. So you may want to be more specific and just get some wheat berries, right? And then chew those or a sprouted piece of bread compared to a regular piece of wheat bread. So you can be really specific with what you're testing, but this cocoa pulse test is really awesome because you can, you can maybe you tolerate, you know, X, Y, and Z fine, but the topping you're putting in there, you don't tolerate. Uh, and you'll get so sensitive to this that you'll actually be able to feel your heart rate increase. If you eat something or drink something that you'll be like, wait a minute, my heart rate's really rolling quickly. I must've eaten something that is causing us food sensitivity, right? Just remember there's food allergies and food sensitivities. So there's actually a lot of things that you can do. Um, and I don't know if it was changed. Someone mentioned if it was changed to six points, I definitely can see a three or four point. Most people have that three or four um, system when they have something. If you don't have an allergic reaction, it, it doesn't increase. It just stays the same. And I've seen that so many times. So maybe they've changed it to four beats but it definitely, if you're type O, it'll be less because it just is. Um, and usually type O actually decreases. It doesn't always, but sometimes people with type O actually decrease. So. And again, that's Dr. Coco. So you can look that up online. Um, I'm sure there'll be a few separate little versions. This just came right from his mouth um, and, you know, and what we shared. Awesome. And there was one other comment. I think, I believe Adrian also mentioned it about sustainable farming and how that can be really good for the earth. Yes. Actually, we are huge yes. supporters of sustainable farming. 
we love the sustainable farmers out there yeah. and just highly encourage all of us to support them um, as best as possible and find the local farmers in our area and and definitely yeah, support that support that in that yeah, those farmers markets are street. yes so absolutely adrian Awesome. Well, that was like a lot of information um, related to allergic rations and histamines and leaky gut and how to repair the gut. Uh, but we do hope that was helpful uh, to just get a better look at like, oh man, what all these food allergies and sensitivities coming out today, what could be the underlying cause of that? We hope this gave you some more insight to that, both for your personal life or working with clients. And uh, yeah, we're excited to keep on, keep this discussion up because gut health is not going anywhere. <laughs> It's not. And hey, Amy, I wanted to mention if anybody's listening to this and they want to maybe get a reminder of when uh, they, you know, how to sign up for this so they can get a text reminder of when our live broadcasts are. Our live broadcasts are every Tuesday at 430 Mountain Standard Time. In the chat section right here, we're going to go ahead and put a link. Um, those of you who are in the AO Basics program are already on this, but those of you who joined us for the first time today, you can go ahead and click there to register to receive a uh, email or a, an email right now, email, text messaging is coming soon um, for a reminder for this call and for the topic that we're talking on. Next, we're going to be talking about natural health and what the changes are coming. Amy, explain it because you have so much fun explaining what we're talking about next week. Yeah, we're talking about integrative healthcare and the future of medicine. So we're super excited because um, a lot of you have heard about our um, our involvement in an integrative clinic that's being designed in Georgia right now. And we've been, we had health, holistic healthcare centers in Wisconsin, like way before we had, um, well, we had courses the whole time, but they were always often in person. So we actually started with holistic healthcare and with organic grocery stores. That's what holistic health educators originally started as. And so, um, but we're talking about the future of that because integrative medicine is definitely, as we can all see the future of, of medicine. There's a lot of articles coming out um, talking about alternative health and just the need to collaborate. And so we're just talking about the future of that and what types of collaborations are happening out there and where we're excited to take, um, how we're excited to contribute to the healthcare reform movement that's taking place right now. So it'll be a super fun conversation. Awesome. So this will be wrapping up our podcast. Please stay, stand tuned. Those of you who are still on our call, we'll be talking about AO and biofeedback. So we're going to go ahead and say goodbye to all of you in the podcast world. We loved having you with us today. Uh, go ahead and click on the next podcast and enjoy the show.